Welcome to Lacrosse and Sport, the show for the fastest game on two feet. Brought to you by Vieira Lacrosse and Sport, Central Florida's premier center for the finest lacrosse equipment, apparel, and training. Now, here are your hosts, Roger Welton and Steve Jordan. And welcome back, lacrosse and sport lovers. This is Steve Jordan, and with me, my friend and co-host, Roger Welton. How are you, brother? Doing very well, Steve. I'm very, very excited, especially about our episode tonight. It's, uh, it's so pertinent to what's going on in the lives of all these kids and, and young men and young ladies and men and women. Uh, it's about preparation. It's about getting ready for the season. As a coach, I'm getting ready for the season. And I'm just really, really just, I don't know, you can feel the blood just pulsing right now. All about just get, getting ready. Are you doing jumping jacks over there? Uh, no, cartwheels, actually. Okay, good. <laughs> Low impact. Low impact, yes. Uh, so, yeah, it's, um, it's an exciting time. So there's all kinds of, you know, here in Florida especially, things are getting kicked off because, you know, we start, it's crazy. We start in January. Uh, so all the high schools have tryouts going on. We have uh, all kinds of tryouts going on preseason clinics and all kinds of stuff and just getting ready to hit the ground running. But everywhere else that has a different climate, this is, this is very, still very much preparation stage unless you're, you know, a division one program like Syracuse that they're already, you know, getting, getting into uh, exhibition games and stuff like that. But um, for everybody that is starting their season, say March, like, like we did back in the day, I think it was like, I remember always, it was the second week week of March when we kicked off practice, and it was still cold and wet and miserable. Uh, terrible, right? And 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 we still got blizzards occasionally, right? But yeah. you know, what can you do to prepare? And I think I think it, it applies to everywhere because preparation is preparation, even if, whether it's indoors, outdoors, whatever. And I think this is huge for your wheelhouse in terms of the physical preparation and what you can do nutritionally and from a training standpoint to start getting ready. So you you ready to start advising these people? Yeah, I was born ready. And, right. uh, you know, this is this is something also that I'm very passionate about because, you know, I, I, I coach my clients, whether they're athletes or not. You know, the game of life uh, is as important as the game that you're going to go play if it's a sport. And, uh, you know, it's an important part of growing, an important part of being better, an important part of uh, a daily practice to do something that's going to make you better physically, emotionally, spiritually, uh, and make you age gracefully uh, or play gracefully. And this is something I'm super passionate about. So let's, uh, let's waste no more time and let's get going. All right. So, so, all right. Let's say up until you listen to this episode, Steve, you've been a bit of a couch potato. You've been procrastinating, right? What's the first thing you do? Get up off the couch. Okay. What's Stand the second up, thing you do? Shake, shake that ass. <laughs> like literally, the second thing is have a purpose, right? If you don't have a purpose or an intention, then your efforts are going to be short-lived. Uh, when you know your why, the how is easy. So let's say, for example, you want to play better in any sport, whether it's lacrosse, whether it's uh, track and field, uh, what other spring sports are there? Baseball. Um, baseball, okay. 
you have to prepare uh, today's in today's age more than you ever had to. Like maybe when we were growing up, it was easy to maybe just step on the first day of practice if you were kind of a natural born athlete. But today, I believe that athletes aren't made or not born; they're made, and you have to prepare and you have to practice over and over again. Kobe Bryant, you know, takes took uh, you know probably thousands upon thousands of free throws before he'd go out every game. I mean, literally the guy was after practice for an hour to two hours shooting free throws, shooting different points on the three-point line. This is a guy that is considered one of the best athletes in the world. Michael Jordan, I'm sure, did the same thing. So Steph Curry, making, great example. Yeah, the point that I'm making is that you have to do the same thing over and over again to become a master at it. So if you want to hit you know, uh, an upper right, corner shot from 20 yards out, you know, while you got a man on you, well, you got to be in that position. You got to recruit a friend and you got to get that friend to be in front of you and, you know, play as a dummy uh, defender and you got to shoot up and around them and into the corner, just like you would in a game or you would expect to in a game. If you want to do it in a sport, uh, it's uh, baseball, right? You want to hit a fastball. Well, you go to a batting cage and you hit, hit fastballs. You're not going to hit slow balls. You're going to hit fastballs. How you do one thing is how you do everything. So what you want to do is you want to get as close to the the game or the activity type, um, the, the activities uh, demands on you. So, like, there's an acronym that we use in my fields called SED, Specific Adaptations to Impose Demands. So whatever those demands are on you, you have to train for them. If it's speed, you got to train fast. If it's agility and for cutting and moving and, and uh, juking your, your opponent out, then you need to do that. So whatever it is you want to do, you have to practice it. And I think there's no better time than now, no matter how long ago. People, that's another question. Well, how long should I wait? You know, Should I do it a week or two weeks or a month ahead of time? Well, the sooner you do it, the better off you're going to be. You know, the longer you wait, the longer you procrastinate, the likelihood research shows that you're going to put it off and you're never going to get around to it. So if it's something that you have a strong intention and purpose for and your why is big enough, take action immediately, get off that couch, as you you know said, you're sedentary, and begin doing it now. If the weather is inclement and you have uh, challenges with certain weathers, you don't live in California or Florida like you and I do, then do whatever you can, you know, stay after school a little bit later, go use a gymnasium if it's open and free and just run some suicide sprints, uh, you know, run around your block a few times, uh, do goal, do, um, we used to do, I used to do, uh, telephone poles and like sprint telephone poles, like every, every other one, I'd sprint telephone pole, jog a telephone pole, sprint telephone pole, jog a telephone pole, you know, get creative. Interval and that's training. What's really, that's what's really fun too is that this doesn't have to become, you know, laborious or something that's mundane or uh, you just get creative, you know. Doing, like, on the, on the side of a curb, what you can do is, you know, for fast footwork, you stand facing a curb and you do quick feet up and down on that curb like you were, uh, I don't know, like almost like jump roping, you know. It's awesome for footwork and agility and, you know, foot uh, coordination. So it's, uh, you know, there's so many different things you can do. Get creative. There's no right or wrong way. Just do it safe. Start slow. Progress. And uh, you'll notice a difference. 
Um, and especially, you know, people that are younger out there, you're so resilient, you know, and your body's very adaptable and flexible. Now's the time to just go out and try anything. Just do it. From the lacrosse perspective, I think of the great Paul Rabel. And what he talked about, and he still does this, his ritual before every practice has always been to, and, and one of the things, what is he most known for? He's a prolific shooter. He's a beast mm-hmm. in many ways, but what he does best is he can rip the ball with maximum velocity and mixed with very, very impressive accuracy. And he does it lefty and righty. And, and sometimes, I remember watching him a few years ago, and I forgot whether he was righty or lefty because he ripped a few uh from both sides, and you just can't tell if he's righty or lefty unless you know. Now I do know he's righty, but he scores lefty so often he rips these ridiculous shots. Well, his ritual was he before he had practice or did anything ever, he would be 20 yards out from the goal, and he would set up 20 balls along uh, an arc, you know, all equidistant from the goal, but all different angles, you know, from goal line extended all the way around to the other goal line extended. 20 yards out, and he would rip 20 shots righty, and then he would rip 20 shots lefty around the arc. So you were talking about progression repetition. So not only does he have the muscle memory, he has the core strength involved in, in, in integrating all of those muscles that go into that shot that is so much far and beyond what people give the shot credit for. To all of the things you have to put into that shot to make it what it is. He puts in his entire six foot four frame into that, but does it in an accurate way. And it came from doing that as a kid, and he still does it. He's one of the best yeah. players in the world. And he's not a spring chicken anymore. He's like 28 years old, which isn't, that's not crazy young anymore. You know, it's still right. certainly way younger than us, which is awesome. But st- things start to hurt at that age. Yeah. Well, uh, he was actually, Paul Rabel was in one of my favorite shows on TV, Sports Science on cool. ESPN. And uh, Sports Science is where they break down the mechanics of a particular sport in one way. And in this particular case, Paul Rabel's shot was broken down. So you listeners, go and Google this. You'll find it. It's a, I think you probably find a five to seven minute short clip of the episode and you'll see the mechanics in which, I mean, all the way down from the ground all the way up to the head of the stick and the whipping motion that's created and the way the stick bends and his hips rotate. And it gives you the science and it breaks it down for you. And I believe that understanding knowledge is power. Understanding your ability and what you need to do will help you to coordinate movement better and or visualize it so that you can believe that you can do it. If you can visualize it and you can see it and believe it, you can achieve it. Uh, so I think it's important. I think what today's, you know, the advantage of today's athlete and what's made athletes all around better than when you and I were growing up, you know, 25, 30 years ago, is that you can see athletes today on every level on any type of platform, whether it's your home, your your computer, your your uh, handheld device, and you can see and slow motion it and see it over and over and over again so that you can actually create a visualization you know it's why you know football players watch film so much so that they can see repetition and you know go over what's happening so that they are they're prepared for the game we didn't have that opportunity in most sports you know to see that um you know i did it in football but we didn't do it in lacrosse we didn't do it in wrestling we didn't do it in anything and you know even skating we used to skateboard remember back then and we used to watch those skate films the power pole the 
and they didn't show you how to do stuff. They just did it, and you were just in, in awe at how they could do it. It was never an option for us to learn or slow it down or create the learning skills or progressions to be able to do it. But today they have all of that, and I think you'd be at a disadvantage if you didn't take advantage of it. So use technology to your advantage. So from a from a purely physical standpoint, so let's say you are let's let's break it down like per position. So you're an attackman. Um, you need great speed, change of direction, and good footwork. You have to be explosive. You have to, you know, some attackmen are feeders, so you don't necessarily have to have a, a great finishing shot, but that helps if you're a finisher. If you're more of a feeder, um, actually one of the, I forget the kid's name, but he was probably the best attackman uh, out of Montclair High School. Uh, my senior year, uh, 1992, he, he was he led the state in points, but it was it was way more assists than goals. He was just an incredible assist man. So whether you're an assist man or no matter what, you have to get that separation. You need the explosiveness to open yourself up so you can dump the feed. So really, it all applies. So what should you be doing as an attackman right now? You know, three things that come to the top of my head. One is change of direction drills. Uh, the five ten five. it's a standard uh, testing drill that they use in NFL combines. Uh, you can look it up online. It's setting up cones uh, five yards, ten yards apart from each other. You're doing a five ten five drill. Um, you know, just even doing a suicide sprint, changing direction. So, you know, running forward five yards, sprinting backwards five yards, sprinting forward 10 yards, sprinting back 10 yards, sprinting forward 15 yards, sprinting back 10 yards. And then you can do the same thing laterally, right? So just change your change your direction. Do that laterally. Laterally, do a karaoke five yards, back in the other direction five yards, back. So, like, little patterns like that you can do. Um, I would also strength train. Before you can have power, which is basically change of direction, so, you know, they always say, back in the day, you say, you know, how fast is he? And that used to mean how quickly he could run a 40. Today, straight speed is not as relevant as it once was because we didn't really know sports science back then. Now, we know that really true speed is not just a straight speed, but it's the ability to change direction and quickly change direction. And that is most important in the ability to train uh, to be a great attackman. So it's not just sprinting forward, but it's the ability to sprint forward, go lateral, go back, sprint forward again, change consistently change directions, and how quickly can you do that? So there's a lot of drills out there that you can do with simple cones and an open field. Um, but there's also, and I was alluding to it just a moment ago about strength training, in order to have power, which is really speed, you have to be able to be strong. You have to be stable. You have to be strong. That gives you the ability to be powerful. So I would do core strength conditioning. Hold a plank for two to three minutes in good posture where your butt's not sticking up in the air. You're very level and parallel to the ground. You're not putting too much tension in your shoulders or your upper back. Uh, your butt is squeezed and your abs are drawn in or they're braced, like I like to say. Uh, hold that for two, three minutes. That's going to be great core stability. Strength, squats, lunges, 
anything that's going to put a load on your body to be able to build the strength, uh, not just in your muscles, but in your bones. And then that power stuff that I was talking about where you were, you know, sprinting and running in different changing directions. That's the first three things that come to my mind. It's hard to put a blanket statement over it and just say, this is exactly what I would do. But those three areas focus on, if you have any questions, you can email me at steve at stevejordan.com uh, and I'm happy to answer any questions. Awesome. So let's move on to the other uh, position that would be that would that would mirror the attack. Let's go to defense. So defense, defense is a little bit different because you need great change of direction of footwork, but you also need endurance, right? Attackmen can rest. Actually, they're the notorious laziest guys on the damn field. We know that. <laughs> I, mean, I, I have uh, this one particular coach that coaches with me on the Stingrays. He's he's an all, uh, old school Long Island guy, Dan O'Halloran, right? Irish guy. He's uh, he's awesome, and he's like he always says when when, we, when we're putting in our riding packages, which is the the attackman's job. He goes, "All right, attackman, this is the only reason we let your worthless, lazy." asses on the field and it's to ride because that's really all you're good for <laughs> it's just to <laughs> ride because you know, it, i mean it's pretty funny not no no insult to any attackman i started my career as an attackman i hugged my stick too badly so luckily i was fast and i could play midi i have a ton of respect for attackman but let's face it you can be lazy and the defenseman on the other hand there is no room to be lazy because if somebody gets beat, you need to slide. You have to watch the ball, watch your man constantly. You have to fill holes. You have to play a zone. You have to be so intensely focused. So there's endurance involved in that as well. So how does that differ in your training approach for the defenseman? You know, honestly, not too much because what's interesting is the defender is covering the attackman. You know, and so you have to mirror that attackman and be able to stay connected to him, uh, to his, you know, hip or his arm, wherever your positioning is, and be able to, uh, you know, be the aggressor. So what I would suggest doing is some of the very similar things that I just suggested. Work on your change direction. Start with stable stuff first. Do things like sprinting forward, sprinting back, lateral sprints. Then work on the change direction uh, quickly with the 5-10-5 drill. Um, and what I also suggest with defenders is do it with your pole. Do it with your long stick because your long stick has more weight than a, than a short stick. And so that's going to throw your, your balance and your equilibrium off as you're doing some of these sprints. So I would recommend, I'd recommend everybody do it with your stick but especially defenders. It'll, uh, it'll help you advance much quicker because if you're just straight up straight or change of direction is good without a stick, you put that long pole in your hand and all of a sudden you're thrown off completely. Um, so, I again, I'd work on that plank. I'd work on um, the ability to change direction, but I would do it with, um, it's interesting, I would do it with your hands tied behind your back. This is what, for some reason, this is, I have never done this, but for some reason I'm saying it right now, it just came to me, and this is what I love about what I do because it's a creative artist um, way of thinking sometimes. Tie your hands behind your back, or if you don't want to tie your hands behind your back, hold your hands behind your back. Like Interlock your fingers together and do these sprints and do the drills that I'm telling you to do with your hands tied behind your back. 
what that's going to do is it's going to, again, make your core work harder, make your legs work harder, work more on your on your footwork and make it more challenging. So when you do have that stick in your hands, you're the, I think you're at the most disadvantage of any player on the field um, because of that stick. You have, it's actually a, a double-edged sword. You actually are at an advantage because you got this long pole, but you also have a disadvantage because this thing weighs so much and it's got, you know, a long lever and this extension. So I think that that's a, that would be a really fun drill to do. And then just do all the aforementioned. You know, stability, strength, squats, lunges, um, and just, uh, you know, continue. Do the consistency. Don't think about taking days off. Be consistent. I would say six days a week, one day rest, and that day of rest could still be doing something mindful where you're doing planks and you're doing some type of core work or balance work. Always be training. I'm telling you, there's, there's not, you don't need a lot of room for rest. Rest you do when you sleep. Get to bed on time. I think is a really important thing. Uh, bed by eleven, up by seven or six. The uh, and and for the defender from the lacrosse side of it, strictly speaking, and I'm not going to go through the the specifics of these drills because you know I'm on a podcast and I can't really explain them. But you can look them up online. One is called the hawk drill. You know, like a hawk in the air. H a w k. Look up the hawk drill. Um, it's just about sprinting to the ball. Yelling out ball, I got ball, I got ball, or you could just yell ball, and then backpedaling in an arc, and then running back to it, get it, keeping your stick in the lane, very important, ready to swat it down. Again, I won't get into too much detail, just definitely Google the Hawk Drill lacrosse defense. Another one is called the zigzag backpedal drill, and what you're doing is you're backpedaling in a zigzag and you're drop stepping, you're setting up cones in succession to do that, and as you're doing that, as you are hitting your drop step, you're switching hands to get your stick in the lane. Um, and again, Google that. It's a, the defensive zigzag uh, back fiddle drill. And then the the last one is called the umbrella drill. And again, you're just, you're just hitting stations, getting back, getting your stick in the lane in a different way than the hawk drill. And you do those three, it's amazing how much that can help your defensive game, changing direction as you're doing it in changing your stick and putting your stick in the right spot at the right time. Um, there are some guys that just have an amazing knack for swatting down passes. Our friend Brian McGill was one of those guys. Um, it's funny, Steve. I was I was looking up a wheel um, man up offense called the three one two that Duke runs, and I just happened to get a YouTube clip of it, very 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 extensively explained. And they talked about how well it was defended by Brian McGill with his stick in the lane, ready to swat down the ball, and so he cut off passing lanes. So it's drills like the hawk drill, the umbrella drill that get you prepared for that sort of thing. And I think that um, you do those things in, in addition to what Steve is doing, you're going to be uh, in a good position to be a well-seasoned defender, ready to do what you got to do, which is stop the other team from scoring and advancing. Let's talk about the midfielder. So statistically, your average starting midfielder, not your like special team midfielder, but starting midfielder that is in there for the bulk of the game at the high school and college level will run seven miles in the course of a game. Think about that. Seven miles in a 60-minute game, and you're doing it at top speed, whether defensively, offensively, clearing the ball, driving to the cage, running to get back in the hole on defense on a fast break, the most important time to really gas it up 
and suck it up and leave it all out on the field. Stop that fast break. So the midfielder who needs to be explosive but have crazy ridiculous endurance, be able to shoot and score, be able to feed, basically the sickest athlete on the field as far as I'm concerned. And I don't say that only because I was a midi. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> so tell me what a midi can do to get ready. You know, I think that that is um... – it is a special, special uh, position. And the first thing that comes to my mind, you know, is what you alluded to. I mean, the distance running is really important. Get up and just go run distances. If one mile is all you can do right now, work up to a mile and a half. You know, maybe every week do a half a mile increase until you get to seven miles where you can do seven miles in a very respectable time. What is that time? you know, I don't know, eight-minute mile pace. So, you know, maybe under an hour, 56 minutes, you know, 50 minutes would be stellar. Um, but I think that would be uh, a really great goal because you need to do that distance. Then I would worry and concern yourself with doing, you know, long-distance sprints, 400s. Man, I hated 400s when we were. <laughs> oh, they're up, awful. Right? Yeah. So, you know, what you could do if you don't know what a 400 is, you sprint the straightaways and jog the corners. You know, that's something you can do as well. Um, you know, basically a 400 is the horseshoe. So you start at the one end of the straightaway, and on a track you just sprint all the way around until you get to the very other end on the same side where you started. It looks like a horseshoe. So that's about a 400. That's, you know, a really long sprint. That's basically running up and back in the field twice. So, um that's important. But you also need, you know, the ability to change direction as well. But sometimes even in a, in rather than a, uh, what I would call like um, a fine motor skill, more of a gross motor skill, where you're, if you're on a sprint and a defender's coming at you, you might need the juke, you know, left and go right. So while you're doing those 400s, you might want to throw in a couple change of directions where you're, you know, juking left and then going right every once in a while. It would give you the opportunity to, on the fly, be able to outmaneuver one of your opponents. Um, you know, uh, I also think that, you know, because midfielders, what makes them so unique is that they have to play both offense and defense. And, you know, being able to do this with your stick in your hand is important. Um, you've got to backpedal. I mean, midfielders are backpedaling a lot. I would consider even doing 400s backwards. You know, that would be a, a really challenging task. Being more changing directions going backwards is really important. And work on your strength, upper body strength, I think, is also really important for midfielders. Uh, you know, maybe in the middle of your sprints, uh, you know, get down and do 20 push-ups uh, because you need to use upper body when you're doing, you know, when you're playing your position. Um, you know, it's, again, a very powerful position, so you want to have explosive energy doing plyometrics, uh, box jumps, or uh, just even standing in place like split squat jumps or squat jumps or frog hops or, uh, you know, even getting down on all fours like bear crawls, awesome stuff, you know, really basic stuff, but, you know, there's so much, there's so many different things that you can benefit from. I think it's really just applying one or two or three of these and just going off, going off on it, like really giving it your all and never, 
just never stopping, doing it for the next two months before your season starts. I guarantee you're going to be well prepared beyond what anybody else does. And again, days off, not really. You know, one day off, maybe uh, a mild rest. That's great, Steve. That that all sounds fantastic. And one thing I would like to add is um, our high school coach. You know, he did this back in nineteen in the nineteen nineties when we played, but. I think it's still they still work today. One of them was the horseshoe sprints with twenty push ups, twenty sit ups in between. Do you remember that? Yeah, we, it yeah. was our first day of practice every year, and we had to do twelve of those. It was brutal. <laughs> it was absolutely yep. freaking brutal. Horseshoe, like you said, twenty sit ups, twenty push ups, twelve times, all that. And then he would after our last sprint. I remember he threw in the wrinkle. Okay. After your last sprint, we're all ready to just hit the ground and keel over at that point because it's number 12. He said, okay, let's transition this into a slow, easy mile. So we had to transition into a slow, easy mile after all that. Yep. Um, but, but, man, we were fit. We were, we were very fit. So um, the other two, Hopkins sprints, do you remember those? I do. It's like the suicide from hell. Yeah. So it's uh, just to refresh your memory, It's um, I do it with my players now. And as soon as I say, okay, on the end line, Hopkins sprints, they're like, oh, man, come on, coach. What, do we make you mad today? I'm like, nope, we just need to be fit. Hopkins sprints are end line to – so the first sprint is restraining line back from the end line. The second sprint is restraining line back, midline back. Third sprint is restraining line back, midline back, far restraining line back. And then the last one is – Restraining line back, midline back, far restraining line back, other end line back. It is over 1,700 yards of pure sprinting. It is pure hell. You feel like you want to barf and asphyxiate all at the same time. But, man, is it great because you're changing direction. You're exploding. You're doing all that, but it gets the distance in there as well. I, th- I think that was a really good, good one, especially for midfielders. In fact, I run Hopkins sprints when I'm getting ready for men's league because at this stage in my life, at 42 years old, I have to work twice as hard for half the gains. And, you know, again, I'm still a stick hanger, so <laughs> I'm still going to be a midi until my legs no longer will let me do it. I'm not going to – I'm going to resist the temptation to go to attack. Um, but You know, there's yeah. people um, – people always ask me, no matter what it is, whether it's – and you asked me in this podcast, you know, what exercise is the best exercise for this, for X, for Y, for Z? My blanket statement – to it all always is whatever exercise you do over and over and over again because there's so many different today more than ever you have the you know there's so much variety out there we have access to to view so many different types of exercises and yeah true there's an exercise that's a little bit good for this a little good for that a little good for that a lot good for this but whatever it is that you choose just do it over and over and over and over and over again that's what's going to make you great is the repetition. Do you think that Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant or Paul Rabel needed to learn how to shoot? You know, no, they did it well into their pro careers. So the very last practice game that they play. So it's important for you to think that way. Repetition is the mother of all skill. And I'll leave you on that. Well, we still have one more position and it's, it's actually that my most, the, my, for me, the most admirable position, the most courageous position, and, and, and really I was kidding about the midi, the, the best athlete on the field is the goalie. The goalie is, not, is the captain of the defense. They have to be incredibly smart. They have to be absolutely fearless. They have to be 
great with their reflexes, which it's – I wrote an article about this at the Creators Game. It is the most unfair position potentially in all of sports. The reaction time that's necessary to save a shot I, – I, I quantified it. I forget what it was. It's ridiculous though. Um, I'm not going to venture to guess, but I advise you to go to the, my goalie article at creatorsgame.com. It's just uncanny how amazing these guys are. So not only that, though, they have to come out of the cage and they have to throw outlet passes. They have to work the ball, move the ball. Sometimes it gets a 10-man ride, which is a new, a, new, a new wrinkle in clearing the ball that's made it more difficult but also can create potential opportunities when that breaks down. So you're the goalie. You need to be super fast with your reflexes. You need to do all the things outside of the cage you need to do, but you're not necessarily running around a ton. So what do you recommend for a goalie? So this is something actually. And really I'll chime funny. in from the lacrosse side of it, but yeah, strictly from the really, physical side. It's, it's, it's really funny. First, I would, pl- I would do wall ball. Okay. So important to do wall ball uh, as a goalie. You got to be able to handle that stick and it's a hard thing to do. And, you know, play lefty, play righty. But do it in this way. Do it on a single leg. So if you're throwing with your right, playing wall ball, balance on your left foot as long as you can. Like, do 20 wall ball throws balancing on your left foot. If you could do 20, then do 25. If you can do 25, do 30, and so on. Then alternate. Do wall ball on your right foot and balance. Because... You have to really be really balanced as a goalie as well. Um, you know, you've got a lot of things going on at once. You've got a lot of man- – like you're managing time and space. And being able to balance is a really important component to that. Reflexes, number two. Um, it's really funny because I did it today. I use a lacrosse ball with one of my clients who has plantar fasciitis, which is an inflamed muscle in the bottom of her foot. And so I use the lacrosse ball to help her uh, massage it out and get it to feel a little bit better. And I took the ball and I bounced it with my eyes closed and tried to catch it with my hands. I was able to do two reps real quickly. I mean, if I practice a little bit more. So let me, let me paint a picture for you. So you stand there with a lacrosse ball on a uh, hard surface and you close your eyes and you bounce the ball in front of you. And you have to know and anticipate where that ball is going to be and catch it with your right hand and then throw it down with your right hand. You have to catch it and anticipate it and catch it with your left hand and do that for as many times as you can. And I think that if you can get to 10 without looking, that's awesome. Because what that's doing, because there is so much muscle memory involved in, uh, in goalkeeping because you're anticipating, you're seeing the trajectory or the angle in which the the stick is coming at you and the ball is going to come. You, you, it's almost you can't even see it. You just have to anticipate where it's going to be. So that exercise there helps you anticipate where the ball is going to be and creates a, uh, like a, almost a superhero hand-eye coordination, um, which is really cool. Third, um, you know, I think that you should – As far as strength is concerned, I think you should be doing a lot of the same things. You know, when you have a clear, uh, you got to be running, you know. So I think running is really important, getting out there, doing the sprints, uh, some plyometric stuff where you're building up your power and explosiveness to, you know, ride, to clear, and uh, just get out of, you know, an opponent's way if you need to. Because I've seen goalies get stuck in some situations where they get uh, almost – you know, they get trapped 
and they've got to release that ball quickly or get their booty out of there. So I think those are three important exercises that you can do immediately to effectively improve your game as a goalie. So from a lacrosse standpoint, there's two things I love to do with goalies. Um, one of them is a playing card drill. So you actually, I would advise wearing safety glasses. You don't need a helmet. You don't need equipment. You don't need a ball or stick or anything. And you have you stand in front of the goal, and you have somebody about five or five feet away from you, chucking playing cards at you. And what you're trying to do is bat it down with your hands and not let it get in the goal. The thing is, when you're chucking playing cards, what happens is they they catch wind currents, and they can go in really erratic directions. And what it teaches you to do is be able to react react to erratic movement. So, how often do we see goalies playing on a crappy field? that there's there's all kinds of divots and crap all over the place or just unpredictable dirt. That ball could take any kind of bounce. You've got to be able to react to it on a moment's notice. Um, also, even on turf, if the turf is wet or it just has a different texture than the, the um, goalie's used to, artificial turf, you absolutely can expect to see some erratic ball movement. So that, to me, is huge. There's also some lacrosse players that are excellent at varying their shooting angles, something I've never been great at as a player, but you see some of these players that can vary their shooting angles. So the ball is coming at an angle that you wouldn't expect. So that drill is just very good in training the mind and training the reflexes. The other one I love is you have somebody take tennis balls or soft, bouncy lacrosse balls, and you take you put your, your bottom hand behind your back. So your top hand is really what's driving the stick and moving it to the ball to save the ball. That's what's moving the head. That's what's sweeping it across to the opposite side when you're off stick side. It's what's moving it everywhere. So your top hand, if you're righty, it's usually your right hand. If you're lefty, it's going to be your left hand. Your your bottom hand goes behind your back, and all you're doing, now I would wear a helmet for this, so you don't want a tennis ball in the eye. It probably wouldn't damage you too badly, but it could sting a little bit. So wear a helmet, um, and what you're doing is somebody's chucking balls at you from about five yards away. And you're saving it with your hand. You're just using your hand, your top hand, to block. And that's another uh, goalie drill that I like to do. And and that really gets you from a reflex standpoint. And not only are you chucking shots above the the grass or above the turf, you're also bouncing them. So you're making saves with your top hand as well off a bounce. Um, So that's from a lacrosse side what I, I like to do with goalies. And you just see them get faster and faster and better and better as you repeat those drills. I like it. <laughs> I was going to say, you with me there, bud? <laughs> yeah, I like it. No, it's great, man. I think it's, you know, these are, and again, going back to what I said before, there's so many different things you can do. Just yeah. do one or two of them and just master them, you know, get good at them, practice them over and over and over again. Yeah. You t- let's put it this way. If you took, let's just say, I don't know, the average career for, you know, uh, a, a intermediate school lacrosse player or athlete, you know, is five, six years. Let's say you start playing your sport, your respective sport in sixth grade or seventh grade, and you play till you're in 12th grade and you, you never play again, or if you have the, the uh, ability to play in high school and, and possibly professionally, then you're going to have a lot of time. If you did two, like master two specific skills every season, you would be extraordinary by the time you got to your senior year. 
if you started in sixth grade or seventh grade by mastering just one or two skills every off season or every season. I think what happens, a lot of people focus on trying to be great at everything. And there are a few that can do that. But if you can be just great at a couple things, you know, every year and you build on those every year, you'll be extraordinary. That's true. Start with the start, start, start smaller, master one thing at a time and, and, and move on. And, and the last, last thing I'll, I'll leave everybody with is focus on things you're not good at. You know, it's so easy to always gravitate to practicing the things we're good at, because, especially if there's girls around. You know, but try to train in a spot where there's no girls around. You're not trying try, trying to impress anybody, and you're going to work on your left hand, whether what it's about, on the wall shooting. What about if there are girl listeners? What's that? Boys. Boys if around. There are girl listeners. We want to make sure that we address the boys as well. Yeah, I find us boys are not as judgmental in that regard. I think they're going to get more judged by their girl peers than they get judged by us. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a girl, so I don't know. But whatever the case, yeah, if they want to impress the boys, sure. Train away from boys, whatever the case. I, I, do, I do forget that we do have female listeners as well sometimes. Um, and, and, you know, back when we played, there wasn't really very little uh, women's and girls lacrosse back then. So I do have to change that mindset, especially now that my daughter's playing. But, um, yeah, so, so focus on things you're not good at and, you know, just take to heart a lot of the things we said today. And, and just remember this always. And, and Steve and I love to say this, how you do one thing is how you do everything. You're going to play how you practice. If you practice half, half I'll say it half-assed, <laughs> um, you're going to play half-assed. You know, if you practice full speed, high intensity, you'll play with high intensity. And that's just rules for life. Yep. All right. Well, I think we're off to a good start. And um, season's just around the corner. For us, it's like a week away for everybody else. It's, it's a couple of months away. So some of you have time. It is no better time than right now to get started. Any final, uh, final thoughts there before we, uh, adjourn for the evening? No, I'm, I'm all good on my end. I'm complete. I feel, uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that we get this opportunity to, to give back and to offer the wisdom that we've been able to attain over the last, you know, 20 plus years. I wish I had, than what I know now. Uh, and I remember my parents and coaches used to tell me that as well and used to be like, ah, whatever, sure, you know, but you'll wait, just wait and see. Take our advice and uh, don't regret it. All right, everyone, so get, get, get up and get started. Thank you for listening this evening. I really appreciate it. It's always great to know that people really care to hear what we have to say, Steve. It's pretty awesome. It is. Thanks very much. Lax on, everybody.